This morning's reading comes from the 107th Psalm, reading selected verses. Listen to what the Spirit is saying today in the church. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and the hungry he fills with good things. The word of the Lord. So grateful in this Thanksgiving week that Luke is our uh, liturgist today. The first time Luke Parker Bowles was liturgist here, a member of our choir said to me, I could listen to him all day. <laughs> and I thought, oh boy, okay, well. Um, but I get it. So here you are. Uh, if it's tough following children, it's tough following you. Our second reading today uh, also comes from the Hebrew Bible tradition in the Old Testament. Reading from the book of Deuteronomy, beginning uh, with the 11th verse of the 8th chapter, listen now as well to what the Spirit is saying to you and to the church in this day, in this moment. Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions, he made water flow for you from flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know to humble you and to test you and in the end to do you good. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gained me this wealth, but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors as he is doing even today. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. May the meditations of our hearts together this morning be acceptable in your sight and life-giving to us as your people, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
I love sharing this image. One of my favorite authors, as many of you know, is Frederick Buechner, an amazing author and Presbyterian minister and theologian who died just a couple of years ago. But one of Buechner's many books is a collection of sermons, the title sermon of which is called, as the sermon is called today, A Room Called Remember. And in that sermon, in that uh, book, Buechner tells the story of a dream he had. He was um, on a trip and staying in a hotel and was assigned a room in that hotel, and he just loved that room. He, 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 as soon as he got into it, he realized how much he enjoyed the way it was furnished. He liked his bed, the pillows. He liked the view from the window. He liked the way the room smelled. In that room, Buechner felt in his dream fully at peace, fully himself. Eventually, as we all do, we have to check out of those rooms, and uh, Buechner went on in his dream to have many adventures and go other places, but one day he found himself back at that same hotel and experienced, as most of us do in our recurring dreams, a sort of frustration. Something's not quite working out the way we want it to, and in this case, when Buechner went back to the hotel in his dream and checked in and was given a room, it looked like the other room, but it wasn't the same, not at all. It wasn't a bad room. It just sort of fell off to him. Everything was nice. Everything was arranged and looked the way it should have, but it just wasn't the room. So unsettled in the dream, Buechner goes back down to the desk clerk and explained his situation and his frustration. He said, the last time I was here, I had a room I liked much better, but I can't remember where it was or which room number it was. Uh, and then he described it a little bit more, and the hotel clerk said, oh, yes, I know just the room you're describing. That room is called Remember. Whenever you come back to this hotel and you want to feel that way again, just ask for the room called Remember. We're always remembering in our lives, are we not? Certainly in this week of Thanksgiving, certainly on this Commitment Sunday, our lives are where we find God. Our, the story of our lives, as Frederick Buechner says in many places in his writings, is a holy story, a sacred journey. Because that's where God finds us, and that's where we find God. You open up a drawer in your house, the one you've been meaning to clean out for a long time, you pull out an old letter. Back in the days when we used to write letters by hand, when I could read my handwriting, and you look at it, and that letter, you recognize the handwriting. Maybe it's from your mother, and it has a certain smell to it, and the memories start flooding back. Recently, uh, a man was released from prison at the age of 65, and he was released because, as it happens a lot, uh, DNA has finally caught up to the realities of the evidence of the case, and it turned out he didn't do it after spending 16,000 days in prison. And the first words this man spoke when he stepped out of prison were, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. I've always found that in the churches I've been privileged to be a part of, uh, the most amazing spiritual people aren't the ones who necessarily do a lot of faith talk or God talk. They're the people who intentionally, after they don't have to anymore, 
go back through prayer, through service, whatever it is, they go back to that place of vulnerability when they had a hard time, when they didn't know if they were going to make it. They go back there because they know that's where they can feel the presence of God most closely, most authentically, most honestly. They don't leave it behind and forget it and convince themselves now that God has helped them, that they can take it from here. They go back there. Here in Deuteronomy, the Hebrew people have spent 40 years wandering in the Sinai Desert. They're now standing on the borders of the Promised Land. Moses, now an old man and about to die. Deuteronomy is essentially one giant sermon by Moses. Um, Now gives them instructions as to how they are to live as a people who have been liberated from slavery, have been given freedom to actually live as free people. And his instructions to the people of God then could be instructions to us. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out of the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, where you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. So when you have eaten and are satisfied, think about Thursday when you're, you know, when the tryptophan kicks in and you're moving over to the couch. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land God has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, the one who has brought you to this moment. It does sound like it was written for me, for us. It is easy to forget, it is easy to take for granted the gifts that have shaped and defined our lives, the highs and the lows, the roses and the thorns. Here's what Beekner writes in the latter part of that sermon entitled, A Room Called Remember. The time is ripe for looking back over the day, the week, the year, and trying to figure out where we have come from and where we are going to, for sifting through the things we have done and the things we have left undone for a clue to who we are and who, for better or worse, we are becoming. But again and again, we avoid the long thoughts. We cling to the present out of wariness of the past. And why not, after all? We get confused. We need such escape as we can find. But there is a deeper need yet, I think, and that is the need, not all the time, surely, but from time to time, to enter that still room within us all where the past lives on as part of the present, where the dead and all the ones whom we have loved are alive to us again, where we are most alive ourselves to the turnings of our own journeys and to the places where our journeys have brought us. The name of the room is Remember, the room where with patience, with charity, and with quietness of heart, we remember consciously to remember the lives we have lived. That's what Thanksgiving is all about, is looking back and giving thanks for all of it. There's an ancient fable of a Native American healer who cured a man of leprosy. The healer took away all the disfiguring marks the man had of his disease but left the man with one small scar. What was the scar for, he was asked, and the healer answered, so he will always remember. 
Maybe we need scars like that to remind us of all the wonderful things God has done for us in all of the twists and turns and ups and downs of our stories. That, by the way, is what we hope for William Gregory Kovacs, Jr., is that he will be surrounded by such love that he'll be willing to give thanks for all of it, not just his best days or the best of himself, and he'll be willing not to despair over the bad days, but to give thanks then as well, to know that he is not alone. That is what faith is. It is trust in this love that never leaves us. It doesn't just show up when we're shiny and presentable. But we are people, uh, a prosperous people. We sometimes feel pinched by inflation or uncertainty in ec economics or politics. But the truth is, especially in this community, some of us live in homes that are twice the size of the homes our parents lived in, or more. Some of us drive cars that cost more than our parents' first home. I know I do. My dad used to sell real estate when I was in high school. Guess how much a home cost in Spokane, Washington in the late 70s, early 80s? $35,000. My car, which isn't that nice, cost more than that. We are a people rarely put to the test, or so it seems a lot of the time, until we get caught up in the news stories. I just want to read to you. Um, my wife Sarah uh, has a dear college friend who has a, a, a relative in Israel who had written back to Juliet, our friend, Sarah's friend, uh, these words about the circumstances going on right now in the Holy Land, the same land described in our text this morning. Yuval Harari writes, most Israelis are psychological incapable at this moment of empathizing with Palestinians. The mind is filled to the brim with our own pain and no space is left to even acknowledge the pain of others. Many of the people who try to hold such a space are dead or deeply traumatized now. Most Palestinians are in an analogous situation. Their minds, are too, are so filled with pain that they cannot see our pain. But outsiders who are not themselves immersed in pain should make an effort now to empathize with all suffering humans rather than lazily seeing only part of the terrible reality. It is the job of outsiders to help maintain a space for peace. We deposit this peaceful space Base with you because we cannot hold it right now. Take good care of this peaceful space for us so that one day when the pain begins to heal, both Israelis and Palestinians might once again inhabit that space. It's a lot easier to do that for others when we remember the time when we have been in turmoil when peace seemed a long way away for us. We need to be reminded and to remember. And the greatest need as we enter into the Thanksgiving holiday week or this specific commitment Sunday, our greatest need as the people of God is to re-enter our sense of dependence on God, just like Moses encourages the people to do in these readings this morning. We have to go back to where people 
will remember how empty life can be at times. And to remember that even though everything around us may seem like it's supposed to look and everything's arranged as it's supposed to be arranged, there's still something missing. We have to all feel through our luxury, through our satisfaction, our comforts even, we have to find that missing piece and feel like we're part of something larger than just ourselves, our personal interests. And that is why we have thanksgiving, not only to feel thankful, but to live thankfully. On the verge of entering the promised land, Moses has one word to say to his people, remember God when you have eaten and are satisfied. Praise the Lord your God for the good land that God has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. It was Abraham Lincoln in the middle of the Civil War who in 1863 established the annual celebration of Thanksgiving in this country. Lincoln had learned how important it is to stop and thank God in the midst of great difficulties, not just when the victories finally came, but each and every step along the way. Lincoln had learned to listen carefully to God's words to him in the highs and lows of his daily existence. And we can listen to Lincoln's words today and notice how much they sound like Moses' words to the children of Israel. Lincoln said, We have been recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and in prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. Did you catch that? It could be words to this church, so unique among churches. We have grown in numbers. We have grown in power and capability as almost no other church like ours does anymore. But it's so easy to forget how we got there and to decide not to be deeply thankful once again. Coming out of the pandemic, coming out of whatever journey you've had to face in your life, it is up to us and to you and to all of us together to remember so that when we have eaten and are satisfied, we can praise the Lord God for the good land, for this moment to which God has brought us. Because as Frederick Beekner says, to have faith, which we've just promised to surround William with the rest of his life, to have faith is to remember and wait. And to wait in hope is to have what we hope for already begin to come true in us through our hoping and to know that by remembering we will know we will find our way once again to the promised land. May it be so. Please pray with me. Loving God, we give you thanks for the gift of memory and for the willingness to use it if we can trust you to see the best and the worst of times in our lives as gifts from you, where we can discover who we are and who you are in the process. Bless us with that gift now as we move into this holy season of the year. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.